Today on Ag News Daily. If you if you have a lot of crops or you're cropping and you're used to going to your office regularly, it's pretty easy. August 11th here on the Ag News Daily podcast. It is Friday, which means that Delaney and Tanner will be back starting Monday next week. But in the meantime, you all are stuck with me for this last day of the week delivering news to you. So let's jump into it. Starting out with our weather for the day, heat warnings and advisories have been issued for today in a wide stretch of land from northern Kansas through Texas to the Mexico border and from New Mexico east through the Gulf Coast, according to the maps from the National Weather Service. In much of Kansas, heat indexes are expected to reach as high as 106 degrees Fahrenheit today. Values in central and eastern Oklahoma are forecast to top 115 degrees this afternoon. A red flag warning, an indicator of tinderbox-like conditions, also will take effect today amid strong winds and low humidity. Wind gusts up to 30 miles per hour are expected along with humidity as low as 20%, the agency said. In southern Arkansas, heat indexes will rise to 112 degrees today. The National Weather Service says to take extra precautions if you work or spend time outside. Switching from weather to our first news story of the day, Senators Martin Heinrich and Mike Braun have introduced the Agrivoltiax Research and Demonstration Act of 2023. It would authorize $75 million to help expand the agrivoltic systems which combine solar panels with agricultural production. Under the bill, the USDA would receive $15 million annually over the course of five years for the development of best practices for farmers and solar developers to expand the implementation of the practice. Several agricultural organizations, including the National Center for Appropriate Technology and American Solar Grazing Association, have expressed support for the legislation. Agrivoltac systems within the legislation apply to lands where agricultural activities and solar energy production are simultaneously taking place. The USDA's National Institutes of Food and Agriculture would work closely with the Department of Energy to establish a network of demonstration sites nationwide through the legislation. Agrivoltic advocates note that the practice can increase farm profits through the reduction in energy use or selling of energy generated on farm. Other supporters of the legislation include American Farmland Trust and the National Sustainable Agricultural Coalition. Moving into our second story of the day, based in Milwaukee, a $40 million ag export facility recently opened on Jones Island in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where state-grown commodities, including dried distiller's grain, corn, and soybeans will move through the port to international waters. This new facility will have a tremendous impact here in the local Milwaukee community and around the state and will help ensure more of our farmers' best-in-class Wisconsin-made goods will be shared with folks all over the world, said Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. The facility boasts capacity for 30,000 metric tons of DDGs or 45,000 metric tons of soybeans. Wisconsin DOT forecasts $63 million will come from the terminal annually as the Agport addition, opened by the DeLong Co., will increase exports by 400,000 metric tons each year. According to the DeLong Co., 
Port Milwaukee's addition will push commodities to new markets in Northern Africa and Europe. Senator Tammy Baldwin, who pushed for the $19.6 million federal protection grant, awarded the funds in 2021. She says her main goal with the investment is to open international market doors to growers. Looking at a story from Successful Farming, higher interest rates and weaker commodity prices may slow the momentum for ever higher farmland values, said the Chicago and Kansas City Federal Reserve Banks in quarterly reports this week. Ag bankers take part in a Chicago Fed survey said farmland values rose by 9% in the Midwest in the past year. They overwhelmingly anticipated land values to be stable during the summer. In the Kansas City Federal District in the Central Plains, bankers reported an increase of nearly 8% in farmland values this spring. Cropland values have skyrocketed by 33% since 2020, a period coinciding with record high farm income, said USDA's land values report last week. Although farmers complain of bids from outside investors, they are the buyers in most cases when land comes on the market. Corn, soybean, hog, and milk prices in June were considerably lower than a year earlier, pointing to lower net farm income when high production costs are taken into account. A Michigan banker said, I would expect land values to weaken, and an Iowa banker said the general outlook has become more guarded. From 2010 to 2020, farmland values were relatively stable, and another such period may be at hand, said Opendahl in Insights, featured that a company in the ag letter. As interest rates move up and farm income levels come down, we could see these factors putting some additional stress to those who are purchasing farm ground. It would not be precedented for farmland values to give back a little of those very large grains that we've seen in recent years. Farm income softened this spring in the Central Plains and Mountain States, while farmland values increased, said the Kansas City Fed. Values of all types of farmland grew by almost 8% in the second quarter. Drought weighed on farmers and ranchers in many parts of the Kansas City Federal District. Drought will affect everyone to come to some degree, with higher input costs, higher interest rates, and a severe drought are making this a tough year. But most farmers will work through it, said a banker in central Missouri. A banker in south-central Nebraska said land values remained high amid good demand. Higher interest rates don't seem to be affecting our local economy at this time, he said. Moving into our final story of the day, also from Successful Farming on Ukraine grain exports. Ukraine's grain exports have totaled 2.98 million metric tons so far in the 2023-24 July-June season. Agriculture Ministry data showed on Friday. The ministry gave no comparative figures for the same date a year earlier, but said the shipments were at 2.34 million tons as of August 12, 2022. Exports have been affected since Russia quit a United Nations-backed grain deal last month, but the ministry's data did not give a breakdown on exports since the deal collapsed. The total volume of grain exports so far this season included 1.42 million tons of corn, 1.18 million tons of wheat, and 364,000 tons of barley. Exports for the entire 22-23 season were almost 49 million tons, exceeding previous seasons' 48.4 million tons. Most of the volume was exported via deep Black Sea exports, under the deal brokered by the United Nations and Turkey last July to tackle a global food crisis 
worsened by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and blockade of Ukrainian ports. Russia left the deal on July 17th after saying its demands to ease sanction on its own and fertilizer exports had not been met. Moscow also complained that not enough grain had reached poor countries. A major grain grower and exporter, Ukraine's grain output dropped to about 55 million tons in clean weight in the calendar year of 22, down from a record 86 million tons in 21. The ministry said the crop could total around 56 million tons of grain in 2023. Moving into our markets for the day, starting us out in September corn, it is up three flat, bringing it to 486 and a quarter. December corn is also in the green two and three quarters, bringing it to 499. September beans is down one and a half, leaving it at 1350 and a half. November beans is in the green two and three quarters, bringing it to 1321 even. Hard red winter wheat for September is in the red six and a half, bringing it down to 760 and a half. September spring wheat is in the green five and a quarter, bringing it to 822 and a quarter. Moving into our livestock markets for the day, October live cattle is in the red 45, bringing it down to 182.75. October live cattle is in the red 0.45, bringing it down to 182.075. September feeder cattle is in the green, 0.225, bringing it up to 251.8. October lean hogs is in the green, 1.025, bringing it up to 81.35. To wrap up our Friday episode, we're going to jump into an interview found on Brownfield Ag News on a Minnesota cattle feeder wanting more robust livestock risk protection programs. Mike Landit from uh, Walnut Grove, Minnesota in Redwood County. I'm the current uh, NCBA Region 3 Vice President. My states are Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Well, Mike, you were just out in San Diego for a, a national meeting and representing your region. What were some of the big topics that either were discussed or you wanted to make sure were talked about? You know, just uh, one of the big discussions is uh, this continued drought that we're facing and with especially now with the current uh, farm bill negotiations that are going on, trying to get CRP a workable solution to uh, find some hay for our producers to use and keep keep uh, keep some of that grass being productive and uh, get some trying to get policy change and set so that uh, we can work with Congress to get that implemented in the new farm bills. One of the big ones that we focused on, especially since the drought in the northern part here is affecting so many of our re in our region. So I, I know that uh, some emergency haying and grazing has been allowed on CRP acres. What kind of a fix are, are you thinking about in the next farm bill? Something that wouldn't take like an emergency waiver or something similar? Yeah, there, there was multiple new policies that came in and some of the big ones with that is, you know, one is um, changing the way that uh, the drought is um, monitored, a different um, recording, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, a different matrix for how it's determined and just try to get it to be a little more uh, localized and efficient to show up faster. You know, like personally in our area, we just hit uh, D0 a couple weeks ago and we haven't hardly had any rain for two months and our ground moisture's all gone. Over last year we had the fuel in the tank under the soil moisture to get us by. And so, you know, it's just for some places it just doesn't record fast enough that it is a drought. And, just trying to get that opened up. One of the other ones 
just trying to have the fix from D2 to D3. Um, a couple years ago, we had that in our area where we were D2 and we were going to open up for haying and grazing on August 1st. And about five days before August 1st or less even, changed to D3. And then when it, the practice, majority of the practice in our area that were D3 couldn't be hayed anymore. And uh, it's one thing when the government will, you know, says, here's some emergency money, just go buy hay. But that particular year, there was no hay in the country to be bought because the drought was so widespread. So it doesn't matter how much money you throw at a problem if there's nothing to buy. So just trying to keep that so can still hay it even if it goes to D3. So those are a lot of the things we were trying to get the policy set up to be able to work on. Well, and that really underlines managing risk. And as you think about risk management tools in the Farm Bill, there's uh, the LRP program. Uh, what are you maybe looking for on that front, Mike, and, and maybe uh, hoping for some, some new tools for livestock producers? Yeah, just trying to expand the, uh, the uh, LRP and uh, make it a little easier since uh, that's just for the size of so many producers. It's a better program for them because they don't have enough production to do too many contracts or if they do a couple contracts they have to do their whole production and just one or two sales so just trying to make sure that stays uh, in the in the farm bill and just keep it easier for producers to use because sometimes some of those producers aren't used to going to their FSA office because they don't have crops so if you if you have a lot of crops or you're cropping and you're used to going to your office regularly it's it's pretty easy if you do have a disaster. I guess I got off there on the disaster or LRP, but it's for us, it's a lot like working with crop insurance, I guess is probably where I was going. I'm used to working with crop insurance and I understand the, the program, but if you don't have the crops and that knowledge of it, you, you can learn it. I mean, it's not that it, you can't learn it, but it, it was just an easy transition because I was already used to kind of how it was operated and I didn't have to have that learning curve and try to help with the learning curve and make it easier for more people to get pick it up faster and be more comfortable with it because sometimes you you understand it somewhat but if you're not if you don't completely understand it, maybe you just don't do it because you it's new sort of anecdotally but I've, I've heard throughout 2023 that it's been a, a profitable year on the cattle side not so much on on the pork side but for your feedlot um how are how are the finances shaking out uh you know we're, we're doing all right uh as a farmer feeder, our operation truly goes off the price of corn. The more we can sell our corn for, if it goes to the elevator, the ethanol plant, or the feedlot, the better we do on our operation. So um, since corn held up for most of the year, we're, we're doing all right. Um, you know, we'll see what happens now that corn's going down for this cropping season and how it shakes out, you know, now into the future. But like I say, we're, we're pretty comfortable with our stuff is just because of how it all ties together. You mentioned uh, drought is impacting your farm. As you think about your corn crop, what are you seeing out there right now? Yeah, um, you know, the corn was looking really nice, but we're starting to uh, starting to turn yellow, and uh, it's just not looking very healthy right now. The, some of the beans I walked in just finally got to, uh, you know, just about almost up to my waist, and that was right where... Uh, Right where all the the dew and stuff came off one of my cattle barns, so they were actually getting a little moisture with these small rains that we got. There's a lot of spots where the beans are barely over knee high, so it's uh, hopefully we got time for the beans yet with August, get some August rains. But it's uh, producers by me, they're starting to talk in the next couple of weeks, possibly starting to chop, and that's just about a month ahead for us. 
hearing reports that uh, some farmers are treating for aphids and spider mites. Are you seeing much pressure on the insect side? Yeah, we were right at threshold when we did our fungicide treatment. So we like to save the pass, and as long as we're out there, it's pretty inexpensive if you're out there versus making another pass. So we, we, we stuck with our plan, and our program usually is to fungicide and insecticide. Um, we like to just stick with what works and not try to outguess what's actually going to happen. Um, just like everything, I'll be able to tell you in November if it was the right answer or not. But uh, that's just how we operate, I guess, is stick with the plan. And so we did, and we uh, we put the insecticide with the fungicide. But uh, yeah, I'm hearing different people are doing some. Some people I'm talking to aren't doing to do anything because they're worried there's not going to be. And um, I've heard some reports of people that put stuff on in corn, and now they're thinking, well, maybe they shouldn't have because it, it they were you know hoping for a rain that didn't come so it's it's all over but we do we believe that if you just keep doing what always works for you the long run you're better off anything else you want to make sure we talk about yeah it's uh that's all i got you know right on the top of my head hopefully where everybody's at they're catching some timely rains and if you're not hopefully you get one soon because we, we all could use it appreciate the time mike thanks thank you Well, listeners, thank you for sticking with me throughout this week. It has been a blast, and I hope I shared some great news with you all. But in the meantime, we will be having Delaney and Tanner back next week, so I'm going to let you go.